Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Anit Najjar. How are you? Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's it's my pleasure, my pleasure. Now, you are one of the people responsible for starting a company called Other Parties, distribution company. Do you want to tell us who Other Parties are and what you're about? Yeah, I'm a yeah, mad woman who decided to set up a distribution company in 2022, which um, it's a bit mad, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so we're just, we're a new distribution company in the UK. And yeah, just set it up with a couple of mates um, just before the pandemic, which was, you know, what, what can you say? Uh, but we released our first film last October. It was called Peer Kids. And our second film was released in April and it was called Small Body. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're kind of like the new kids on the UK distribution block. And as as new kids, then how do you sort of identify as a distributor? What is it? What is it? What, does anything mark you out as different from from other distributors? Or are, are, are you are you a generalist distributor or what? No, because I think um, myself and my mates who we set it up with, we all came through the UK film industry as trainees. Okay. Um, and we worked in various roles within the industry, but we never felt like we truly belonged. Um, like I said, we're, we're, we're all like, you know, we're POC women. Um, never really felt we could get a foothold in the industry, even though you know, I've worked with some amazing companies and producers, but it just felt, we couldn't do, we couldn't really do what we wanted to do within the current system. Mm. And, and for me personally, I was, I was pretty bored um, with what was going on with the same people uh, releasing the same films. It just felt a bit stale. So it just felt a natural progression for me because I started in sales and then I went into PR, then marketing and, you know, and that's what distribution is 
pretty much a combination of, of both of them. Mm. And it, it just felt, it felt right for a new company to be on the UK distribution landscape. That was there for a new generation of filmmakers, film goers that had a company they could believe in, I think, and they could trust and just, just, uh, try, and, you know, just a new voice rather than just being another faceless distribution company that focuses on just money and the constant churn of films just just to keep making money i think i felt it was it we had to have a it felt like a fight for film and cinema just before the pandemic anyway yeah um and then especially over the pandemic gave us gave me a lot of time to think actually why why set up a company but i think it was what do i want what do i want my company to represent um I think, you know, and I had time to think about it. And I thought, well, I want to be on the side where we're represent like we're offering a vibrant, distinct platform for films to be on, uh, rather than just being part of a streaming culture, an algorithm fed, you know, film world that I think everyone's I find people are too easily adopted. Well, I think, I mean, I think the, I think the pandemic has really, it's obviously exacerbated something that was a trend that was already happening, which was yeah. this race to race to make it more convenient to watch films. And then it became a race to be able to watch films that couldn't get in cinemas because the cinemas were closed. And then that mm. created a complete identity crisis, didn't it? In, in film that suddenly theatrical wasn't this exclusive thing it once was. Uh, and and I think film might have lost a little bit of its identity in that in that time. I mean, I think I think what's been great and weirdly, it took something like Top Gun Maverick to to yeah. sort of reassert the fact that actually there's something magical about seeing a film in a cinema. And that doesn't mean it has to be a big blockbuster, but it needed something like that to remind people that actually just sitting on your couch and turning it off every two minutes because you're going for a pee isn't the way yeah. to watch films. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think all of us, especially on um, the distribution exhibition side, I think we need to represent, uh, need to show future mm. to audiences, whether it's current, old or new, that we can, we are the, the place where you want to be, you, know, you want, you should want to be involved in, in our world rather than, Say the streamers and and just and, be, and and us being okay with that as in we can't, can't we could we you know I can't you know we can't compete with the Netflix and the Amazons and that's fine we we let them do their thing but at least we can create something that's a bit more magical a bit more energetic and a bit more um, engaging with people I think that's what I wanted other parties to be part of I think or be the like. Leading, not leading, you know, leading the charge, saying like, "Come on!" It, we, it feels like we have like one go left before it all collapses. I know that sounds very dramatic, but that's how I felt. I thought, well, if I don't do something to try and arrest the slide or be a part of a solution that makes people excited again to make films and mm. go to see films and talk about films the way we used to five, ten years ago, and then you know, I just thought. I'll give it a go. <laughs> well, well, I mean, and, and the first two films couldn't be more contrasting, could they, in a way, as, as that, you know, they really are very different films altogether. Yeah, and I think our ethos was 
the filmmaker, um, uh, their story and their energy. I think both filmmakers we worked with, um, one was Elegance Brasson and the second was Laris Marni. They share our mindset of the world and that art, you know, the artistry, I think, flows through both the films. I think yeah, Peer Kids is a, like I said, documentary, very verite, very, you know, very cool, very, you know, it represents a world I think many people don't really get to see on the big screen. Absolutely. And told by an authentic filmmaker who's from that world too. And I think there's an authenticity with both films I think we connected with. And that's how we acquire going forward. We look at the filmmaker, we look at their story and we think whether, do they match our, our vision going forward? Do they make a stand in some way? Does it affect people when they see them? Does it inspire? I know these are very grand um, ideals, but I think they're important because there is times where I think, oh, maybe I should just, you know, just buy, you know, for surefire. Here, you know, go for established indie filmmakers and so forth. But I just thought, well, that's not really changing anything. It's not opening up to, to new, new, to new mm. talent, new voices. And I think that's what we always try and remember. It's just like, let's not try and compare, like look what everyone else is doing or compare ourselves. We're in a place where we have time and the energy to actually carve our own lane. I mean, I read, I read somewhere that for people who make films, and I guess the same comes from you trying to acquire films, is that in the end, if we ignore algorithms, which are, which, which are kind of processed data spitting out an answer, the one thing we can always rely on and the thing that we've spent time refining and defining is our own taste. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, in the end, if that's not valuable, then what are we doing it for? Yeah, it helps that we have good taste. I isn't to blow smoke up you or anything, but, but the point is, is if you're going to do it, then you're basically, yeah. you're putting your taste on the line in some senses, aren't you? It is, yeah. It's nerve-wracking, but frankly, I have an amazing acquisitions as that. And then obviously I have my own taste and it's using those skills and knowledge and it comes, it, 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 as you know, it grows. Like your film taste grows and you pick up things. And you start to absorb it. And I think you need that talent in, I think, distribution. I know everyone goes, oh, master of, you know, jack of all trades and things. But distribution is, I think it's really helpful if you know everything rather than just to know one thing. Because I think for me, I think that's really important. It enables me to be flexible in my thinking. It mm. helps me grow. Um, and I always say to young people who want to get into the industry, um, because it's always, it's either everyone just wants to be, you know, filmmaker, producer yeah, or acquisitions, I think. There's never in between. I was like, well, do you know, you should check distribution arcs. I think it's a really great place to get skills and apply your skills. And, in, you know, and it, it can be, it can be a bit of a laugh as well. So, Well, look, for, for, the, for the filmmaker listening in who doesn't fully understand the role of the distributor and what, the, what, where, and obviously the future of their film they might be making, yeah. what, Ignoring obstacles and costs for now, what are the main channels of distribution available to a filmmaker, you know, that might walk in your door tomorrow? I think um, it's a really competitive marketplace. It's really crowded. Mm -hmm. There's more films than ever before, I think, being made and that are available. 
and it's it's difficult to see if your film can fit into the current landscape. I'm always a bit surprised when I speak to filmmakers and you know producers where they they don't really know what's going on in currently. They don't know the taste. They don't know what films are in the cinema, and that's really frustrating because you need to know that mm. <laughs> because. As you, you, you might know as well, some people that just have no idea. Um, yeah, I mean, li- literally, I, every year I, I get the pleasure of covering Fright Fest, which is like a snapshot of horror. Yeah. And as a screenwriter writing horror, it's good to know what everyone else is doing. It's just being present, it's being aware, just mm. having a look. Even if it's adverts on, on, on buses, billboards, okay. You know, just observing all the time in film, in mm. generally, where you, you are dedicated. I mean, I don't mean like go completely off, like listen to every single podcast, do everything. It's just observing. Speak mm. to your friends and family. What are they watching? What's in the top 10? What's they want to talk? You, and then you get a general sense of whether your film can find a place. Because my job as a distributor is like, okay, can I get this film in? Obviously, people, can I get this film into cinemas? Mm. Can I start that conversation with programmers? Can I get this on? VOD. Like, do you remember everyone on our side is, it's, it, it, like you said, it's constantly moving, it's busy. Your film has to say something, not political, has to say something, it has to grab the attention. So you break your film down and just think, okay, where does this fit? Can this, is it right for the current landscape? Can a distributor take this on and get people interested, give it the platform? And it'll help if the producer and the filmmaker can have that honest conversation with themselves and just think, actually, maybe it's not in step with what people are looking for. And, you know, in an ideal world, we, you know, everyone would program it, everything, but, you know, it doesn't work like that. Well, it sounds because- as well from what you're saying there then that in the, in the other ideal world, that conversation happens a long time before a film is made. Yeah, sure. Like, um, you think you think that, but sometimes you know people's passions. You just think, oh, you know, there's always that people are saying, you know, everyone, you know, everyone's got a story in them. Yeah. Everyone's kind of refuting that now, aren't they? They're actually some people. <laughs> um, but it is. I, I always say to my producer friends, would you go and see the film you made yourself if you didn't make it? And then you know they don't really say anything <laughs> after that. <laughs> or I say, or I say, what are the name three films that are a bit like your film? Or which cinema do you see, which cinema chain do you see your film being played at? If they can't tell me the audience, that's the question I always ask. Mm. Um, and I think if you struggle to answer, just like, you can't have that image in your head before you make the film. And I just think, okay, take, maybe just find out. Is that then, is that then a conversation you begin then? Because I guess it's, yeah. it's important, at least once it gets into Dubbish's and to know your audience. But how, how do you break that down? with someone that hasn't thought about it? Where, where does the conversation start? Oh, because that's the thing. Even if you go, where, you may have to tell me a bit more about it too, but even when you, you go and learn script writing, or I'm sure you need that that core story there, I mm. think. As you know, I've, um, I've only had a little bit of experience with, with script editing and script re- you know writing. And, but I think it always goes back to that, whether... It can be, it can take, it can be fulfill its whole cycle from, you know, a page to the, the screen. I always think 
unless you, writers, please, please email us in. But I always just thought it's taught in classes, as in, you know, before you start writing your script, you think about a story, you think about... Um, yeah, but that's only a st- that's not an audience, though. That's thinking about does something work and does something interesting. Thought, I always thought it was. I always... Um, there's 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 be aware there's definitely be aware of it, but most of the time, and that help that helps if you're if you're doing a genre of some description like a comedy or a rom com or a horror or a sci fi. Yeah, those strong, those strong genres like horror. But um, once you get so into drama, then that's what I then it's execution so dependent, then isn't it? Because ultimately, there isn't just there isn't sales yeah. distribution for just drama because drama is such a broad, I mean, I know all genres are a broad church, but drama in of itself becomes a nebulous term, doesn't it? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, because I think drama, you can't really, ne- that horror, you you know, as a distributor, you, you can nail that. Mm. You've got your evidence. It's easy for me to work on mm. um, marketing-wise, publicity-wise, and, you know, straight to the point when you go and try and pitch it to people. But I think with genre, uh, drama, like I said, so, as you know, there's so many branches. It, it's just dependent, and it's it's more associated with TV now. I think drama mm. than film because drama. I think if you are making a film that is drama, I, I've always been taught, especially in sales, it's always dependent on cast. Um, you can make anything, but if you've got like top cast, then you know you can get any drama made. But I think for a first time filmmaker, it's really difficult, and I think that's where. You also have to take into account, yeah, the social conversation, the, the zeitgeist, what people are talking about, and whether you can. I think that's what we we tend we tend to see now because the drama it will it will be like issues. Mm. I hate quote unquote, you know, social issues, or it will be something political, it will be something topical, um, because it's something that I think distributors and, and everyone we can work around these. Okay, these are the, these are the elements that we can try and translate and sell to audiences. So this, this, and this sounds a bit like this is a bit, these are all elements that then become a way for your film to cut through the noise of everybody else's. It's like if someone just yeah. got a drama and yours is a about the plight of climate crisis from a family of four's point of view, yeah. suddenly you're saying something different, aren't you? Or you're asking a different question with your film that might pique people's interest beyond... The person who made it. Yeah, absolutely. And these are the elements that like I said just it's that simple. Cause that's what I, I when I do get told about films, like my head's going all Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ready, I'm like, okay, what, what are the elements here? And, um, you know, I break it down into components, whether, it, you know, you think, okay, who's the director? Hmm. Who's the, you know, what's, what are the themes? What are the stories? What are the cast? Who, and, then you, and then you build on it. You think, okay, then, oh, I can see that being played here, here, here. We can do this. And you start thinking about the marketing, you think about the, the promotional aspects from it. So it does, and I understand it. all this always sounds overwhelming when I do speak to producers because they're, they've just been trying their best to try and get money to get the film made and then you try then you bombard them with all this yeah, afterwards yeah, so yeah um, it, it does overwhelm but it's just simple if you've got you know as you know simple stories components are there and it's of you know the films of good quality it looks good it's shot well the director's done you know done their job and it makes our life a lot easier but also from a filmmaker's point of view it makes your life a lot easier if that conversation about about where the film fits happens before you roll a camera, because in a way you can deal with it, you can ignore the advice. You can ignore the advice that the film isn't for now, even if, if you go ahead and do it. But knowing that that's what you're up against means that yeah. you're ready for it, as opposed to I finish the film and then your first question is, "Well, who does who's it for?" And they go, "I don't know." <laughs> well, then you know we took a. You can take risks though. Where- okay, go on. Uh, I, like I said, our second small body, um, we took a, you know, you know, many, because, you know, what, why do you, why do you release that? And we just thought, well, we're going to take a risk here because it's a story we think, you know, it needs to be told. It's a really exciting filmmaker. It's visually stunning and it fits into our ethos as a company. And then sometimes I, I would take a chance in a film that if there's no direct com- you know comparisons or it's you know it's not obvious straight away mm. what the and then but if it's something like you know a small body where I can work with it and the elements are there and it's worth the risk and then you know we we would we would we would take a film on but we know that it it was relevant it stories will continue to reverberate and you know, people will connect with the story and it is a good old-fashioned euro art house film as well which it's all but you know and i think we need to keep that as our company because you know we are about giving filmmakers a chance and a voice and a platform mm. and, you know, we're like just one of the companies that even though you know to the you know everyone else in the industry you know you get you know you get the raised eyebrows oh you, you putting that out and, that, and something you've got to stand with it you know <laughs> you've got to stick by your decision then hopefully history vindicates you um but no yeah if he's not you just if there is if there is no direct comparisons or it's but the film is just special enough well it, all right you know, for, for, for the for the people who've never had a discussion with a distributor how did small body come to your attention and at what stage it's a festival I think it was okay. paid, at, it paid, paid at Cannes um, last year. Right. And they did Toronto. Um, but because we were setting up the company, we actually saw it at LFF. And it was, yeah, the audience reaction was quite, uh, insane. And then obviously my 
for DK, who does our acquisitions, said, just from this film, I've never seen an audience reaction like this. And then that's how you start the conversation. And then we spoke to the sales agent, and then you speak to the director. And then we thought, oh, right, we click, especially with the director and ourselves. We thought, oh, right, we're, like I said, you know, young, we sh- you know, from the same, we, got this, we shared the same mindset. Okay. And I think the filmmaker trusted us with the film. As in when we sat down and just thought, okay, we just said, you know, this is what we're going to do. We think we can get this out there and we'll treat it with respect because obviously, you know, the, the difficult subject matter of the film. And, that, and that's how it came about. And I think, and obviously that was kind of, that's, that's pretty rare when it, when a film was at a festival cycle and we, we caught it in like October the LFA. Mm. But normally, normal distributors either will go, we're starting again, aren't we, this October with, with that Venice Toronto. But yeah, normally yeah, you yeah. get sales agents get in touch with you a good few months before festivals and they tell you about projects that are coming up on their slate. And then you can see whether you can get a deal done before festivals. But we always find festivals a really good indicator of a film. Um, our filmmakers, audience reaction. Um, I mean, that's, and that's it's like, interesting you mentioned about the audience reaction because I think obviously through the pandemic, we lost that, didn't we? We lost that ability to judge a film in terms yeah. of how people receive it. We could access films and virtual and hybrid festivals with a way to survive during the pandemic, but now we're into something resembling normal and yeah. the filmmaker and people who want to work on the film get to see how a film works in a theatre with an audience, which is which is the true measure, isn't it, of a Yeah, of a it's film. really important. And when I do, when like producers can't get the traditional distribution or sales method to get their films out, I just think, obviously we were always in a bubble in the industry. Mm. It's the same chat, it's the same films. Oh, that's, that's never going to work. Oh, that's rubbish. But I always find it really helpful removing yourself from the bubble and seeing the film away from the London gaze, away from the critics' group, and just think, okay, this can connect if you work out how you're going to present the film. Mm. If you're prepared to work a bit harder to engage with audiences, but if you know your elements of your film are there, the story, the themes, and if you're able to communicate that, then you don't need to go and get a big sales deal or a big distribution deal. You can just go directly and do things yourself, like doing your own little Cine, you know, theatrical tour or then self-distributing you know, getting on on the you know, VOD platforms so it is possible it's always possible but don't go in there thinking oh we can you know I can do it just you have to keep it to like the elements we talked about mm. what's the story what are the themes can I can I break that down and can I actually tap into audiences and then just go grassroots go punk put it out and then just see what happens um, but I think, yeah, too many producers get really, they, they have a really distorted view and they just get so, you know, di- you know distribution, you need to get a sales company, we need to get a sales agent, we need to, you know, there's ne- there's, there's always a way. I, I found out in my, my in my career that there's always a way of getting audiences. No matter, you know, I've worked on films before I set up other parties where, some films I just dismissed. I was like, who's going to, because you're in that bubble. You just think, and then you just, and then the most smallest documentary, you'd have sellout screening mm. and you have like people just, and you just think there is audiences out there. You just have to, like I said, stick to, stick to what, you know, what, what you know, if you know your film and then just go and work a bit harder and then just try and engage 
groups. Well, look, you're obviously someone that has to watch a lot of films and you're obviously a film fan. So how do you, as a a person now running a business that distributes films, how do you balance your love of films with a need to find films that would satisfy commercially what what other parties needs? Well, that is a bit difficult. Because I think when I started out in sales, I found that when I, you know, was reading scripts and watching screeners, I found myself a bit too, a bit too, you know, you know, a bit haughty, you know, a bit too snobbish. Really? <laughs> but yeah, you, know, you do. You just think, oh, I know everything. And then you get you get humbled really quick when you, you learn about what the market needs and your taste. And sometimes you just think, you know what? I'll stick with rambling about films with my friends in the pub. But I think <laughs> when you're when you're working, isn't it? You, just, you you have that we talked about having a having good taste mm. and and being aware of what's out at the moment. What is the current world film world we're in? And it's just having that taste barometer where you can apply it to whether a film's going to be commercial or not. Because it's just knowing, like I say, you have to think five steps ahead all the time. I think when you're distributor or you're working in sales you have to think right from the script right to when it's on screen so you have to think about press can I visualize the Guardian review <laughs> you know mm. can I see where where is this going to be placed in in like the in like the realm of film and then that's what you apply when you when you try and acquire films like I said I'm always thinking what are the steps here who's going to be interested can we get attention this way or that way but it uh, Having my love of film, I've learned to mainly compartmentalise all the stuff I love watching. And like I said, I have an Odeon pass, so I try and watch any film I can, no matter, that's even if it's not my taste, what I'd normally go and see. But I think that's what you have to do, is just go and see what is making, what is hitting the cinemas, mm. what are people coming out to see. I think you only can do that if you go out yourself. Maybe I'm a bit, bit old-fashioned, maybe I'm a bit like the, the school of like, Roger Corman and William Castle. Well, I'm actually going to go and sit <laughs> with people and see what really connects. And I've just learned to do that. Well, I think, well, that, I've got this is my taste. And I think this is what will work because I've built up all this knowledge from experience of just going out there and, and just being really aware. So and and, and can you, out of interest, then can when when film when watching films with a kind of commercial eye becomes yeah. becomes a job. Can you still then, as a as a film lover, still enjoy film for for being a film? No, because you let you, you can't because <laughs> you, it's, as you know it's ruined because yeah. you you know, you know about story beats and plot lines and you just and you just think well, and then you just think, come on, yeah, it, everything you've learned it does affect it, and it's taken me this to now where I can switch off when I go to the cinema. Hmm. Barely, just just about, um, and then, but it took me a long time. But it has, it does really affect it. Uh, I think that's why so many people in in film watch TV more. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. It's kind of a it's it's a, it's sort of playing away from home, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> where can where can people see Peer Kids and Small Body? Uh, well, Small Body is going to get a VOD release, I think, in September, October. Okay. Um, Peer Kids was that, yeah, that was like a theatrical release at the moment. I think maybe on SVOD next year. Okay. Uh, but that, so next year uh, being 2023, yeah. for those listening yeah. to this in 2023. 
And then we're going to, yeah, so we're in the next phase where we are going to hopefully announce our lineup. I was going to say, so you're, 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 you're coming to the end of your first year now, yeah, as all the parties. Yeah, yeah. So it's happy birthday. Mad. Thank you. If, that, if, that's, if that's not a really weird thing to say about a company. Uh, um, what's next for other parties? Where, 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 where are you going? What can you tell us? I think it is, yeah. We are, like I said, after Small Body, we took this, like I said, we took a bit of a, um, a breather during the summer. And it's mm. always really, we, we kind of just got together and we calibrated and everything. So we're ready to get our next, our next slate of films, mm. but um, which we're excited about. And I think, yeah, that's where we're at. But like I said, we're in a very weird place in 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 the distribution exhibition landscape. Like I said, summer is never really good a really good time to think about because it's the summer, isn't it? Mm. But I think yeah, as soon as the autumn festivals are in full swing. I'm just hoping that it get everything gets a bit exciting again, and like I said, we're I'm really happy. Like I said, I've been I'm proud of that you know small body has been mentioned in like the you know best. Yeah, of the I mean, years. you've critical the critical attention it's received has been amazing. Yeah, and like I said, I'm a film fan, so I I got quite overwhelmed thinking about how film scholars when they look back on 2022, they'll it's my film will be there alongside Tom Cruise and so forth, which is a bit of a surreal, surreal moment. I think, you know, so we all need to be proud of. The but that's, a, that's an optimistic thing though, isn't it? For the future of the art form. Yeah. And I think everyone in every distributor who managed to get their films into cinemas this year, I think we all, sh- we all should be proud that we played our part mm. um, to try and get cinema back to, you know, I want to say back to where it was, but making it reinvent, like being part of pushing cinema forward again. Yeah. Or maybe maybe be part of then of the next stage of cinema, reinventing theatrical. And I think we all, yeah, everyone who's released a film in cinemas this year, I just like I said, I'm absolutely honoured to be part part of you know part of that group. And hopefully we could anyway we keep this going forward. Indeed. Our next films, you know, I think theatrical is really important. I think. For filmmakers and young, young, young filmmakers especially, and um, film film goers, like mm. I said the streamers have offered a. I always say this: streamers have are offering like a weird future for young filmmakers. You know, Netflix doing that one point five million funding mm. for, and I just think, well, what are we offering on our side? I think, well, that's what we should be part of that ex- building an exciting world again. I think you want filmmakers, but actually, I want other parts to release my film. I know I'll get a theatrical release. I know it's going to be amazing, rather than just being lost. Well, thankfully, it sounds like from the way the trades are writing that the likes of the all the big streamers have have come to the conclusion that while it's convenient to put stuff out on streamers, the value that placed on their films comes from theat- strong theatrical releases. You know they. They, they, yeah. and, and those that don't haven't done it, like at Netflix, are looking to how they can tap into that value that theatrical gives. I mean, I don't know what that looks like in the future, but it gives you hope that there's going to be an emphasis placed on theatrical as an important part of the important part of the film going experience again. Yeah, because you think so, like, not you know how rapidly we moved, mm. especially with the pandemic too. But I like you know theatrical is still an old school signifier that your film. 
is worth, you know, your film means something. You just have it, it still has the gravitas. Even it's simple as telling your mom and dad your films are in the cinema. Mm. You know, it's that basic, like, you know. You- no, but I, I totally agree. I think even if even if you didn't see it in the cinema, knowing it was in the cinema when you get sit down to watch, when you sit to choose what you're going to watch on the streamers, yeah. what was on the cinema that you didn't get a chance to see becomes more valuable or more obvious to choose than the thing that's just been added to the content list, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I'm not. Cinema's, but, you know, has managed to survive. Yeah, I don't think cinema's become vinyl <laughs> just yet. I think I think we're a long way from that. But um, well, let's end on that upbeat that, that theatre's got a lot, of life, a lot of life in it. And it's not to say all the other channels haven't got value because obviously... Some of my happiest experiences is watching on a 16-inch black and white portable. Um, <laughs> and it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving your time on the Britflix podcast. No, oh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Happy to come on again. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.